You thought that you could have it all And life could be a ball But you fell and scabbed your knee Now you can be Good morning. Good morning, Avit. Ah, this is the recovering CEO hosting the first ever All Addictions 8 a.m. Eastern Time open meeting. Uh, hoping that some folks show up, but I realize it's going to take a while to build audience and get people to join. So I am okay with that, but I will just get started and uh, we'll see if we have anything good to talk about. You know, it's an interesting morning. Uh, it's snowing here in Michigan. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I tried to make coffee right before the meeting and kind of flooded the whole pot. I didn't have the pot fully under the grind thing, so it flooded coffee everywhere. But luckily, my heroic wife cleaned it up and then made me a cup of coffee, which is so nice. So I could have it for this meeting. Um, God, God bless the our significant others and partners that stick with us through this all because it's not easy to make it alone. You know, it's not easy to make it as a recovering addict, alcoholic. Um, you know, as, as you may know, I have 25 years sober from drugs and alcohol addiction, which is wonderful. Um, I also suffer from multiple other addictions. And that's one of the reasons I'm going to be starting this all addictions 8am open meeting on Twitter spaces because I like Twitter spaces. I think it's a great way to um, communicate with people. It's a great way for people to, you know, gain information, learn about topics, um, maybe learn about addiction and recovery, learn about alcoholism, learn about sex addiction, learn about um, food addiction, you know, spending addiction, I mean, whatever, whatever addiction you're dealing with, you know, basically, um, addiction really is trying to numb out, you know, and life makes, makes me want to do that sometimes, you know, life is difficult. And as a wise man once said, you know, the way that, the way that I deal dealt with, um, conflict when I was young, when I was a kid is the same way I'm going to deal with conflict as an adult, unless I learn how to change, you know, so I really need to work on changing my behavior. And that's a lot of the work that we need to do. Um, in recovery, you know, we need to kind of figure out uh, what are the root causes of my addiction? Why do I keep wanting to numb out? What makes my life so bad that I need to change the way I feel always? You know, why am I always chasing a high? Um, why is enough never enough? You know, and I've always been like that. I've always wanted more. You know, I've always wanted more. And, uh, not always the best thing. You know, they say the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot, though he usually does not think so. So self-will run riot, which means I want, I want, I want. I want you to give it to me. I'm going to take it and I'm going to do whatever I want. And that really leads to bad consequences. You know, if I am running on self-will, I'm going to get myself in trouble. Um, I just am. You know, we live in a self-regulating society. And as an alcoholic at a young age, 
I started running up against all those bumpers and crossing them, you know, crossing the lines to where police were getting involved and people were getting hurt and family was getting hurt. You know, I just, uh, as an alcoholic, you know, it's kind of like the Tasmanian devil just running through people's lives, you know, and luckily I only drank for, you know, about six years, uh, six years was my big drinking and drug career. Not long, but I drank a lot in that time. And I did a lot of drugs in that time. And I almost lost everything. You know, luckily, I was able to stop, I was able to kind of see that, you know, it was not good. And, uh, and change, you know, I was able to change, I was able to admit that I had a problem. You know, the key is, I think, in recovery is to be honest, to be honest with ourselves to say, you know what, I do have a problem. I am an addict, I am an alcoholic, I can't go on living like this, you know. And it was interesting, because I could feel it. I could always feel it right in my kind of chest, you know, in my solar plexus area, I could just feel that it wasn't right. There was something wrong. You know, I wasn't meant to be alone. I wasn't meant to be alone in my apartment with no friends. You know, I wasn't meant to be failing out of school. I wasn't meant to be unemployable. You know, I was a nice guy. I was raised in a nice family, you know, and sure, I was adopted, right? I, I mean, my family wasn't perfect, you know? Um, so I think there was some trauma from the adoption. There was probably some trauma. You know, I love my parents very much. My dad was also, you know, yelled a lot. I mean, I got hit as a kid. Uh, does that cause trauma? Maybe, you know, I think it might. Um, but just the feeling of always being different. You know, I always felt different than everyone else. I felt like I didn't belong. I felt um, just different, you know, and that forced me or it caused me to chase things that made me feel better you know so i chased excitement i chased food you know i loved going out to uh ferals you know the all you can make sunday place or you know just that was exciting you know that was fun that was a sugar rush you know and i see kids today sugar rush you know i remember playing the atari played atari all day i watched mtv all day for years there was just things I liked that I did over and over. You know, we didn't have cell phones back then. Um, you know, life was good as a kid. I mean, we had, you know, we had good times, but, uh, you know, eventually I started chasing that high. You know, I remember uh, Catholic school, all the girls in their Catholic school uniforms and just feeling like, wow, you know, what's going on? You know, what's, um, you know, seeing those plaid skirts and it's just triggering for a little boy, you know, for me. And I was triggered and I, then I felt guilty about it, you know, about thinking those thoughts and I felt shame about it. You know, and in Catholic school, I was told to feel guilt and shame and, you know, remorse. And, and even though I was a good kid, you know, I punished myself for my thinking. And, um, you know, and then as I grew older, started getting into alcohol, you know, and then found drugs and I love drugs. I loved marijuana because it was just wonderful. You know, it didn't make me sick. Alcohol kind of made me sick. Um, alcohol is a poison, you know. Marijuana just made me high. But, it, you know, as I told my kids, you know, it's not that um, drugs are bad. It's that they were so good. I, I wanted to do them all the time, you know. <laughs> that just doesn't work. I, I, I couldn't be high all the time. 
you know, I couldn't, I just wasn't independently wealthy, you know, and I think those people that are independently wealthy that can be high all the time, eventually they run into a wall. You know, it's just, it's not tenable. It's, it's not, I can't do it. Um, and I proved that to myself, you know, I proved that to myself as an alcoholic and someone in recovery. I couldn't do it. You know, I just had problems, you know, the, uh, all the drugs, the marijuana, LSD, mushrooms, you know, I was kind of into the Grateful Dead and hippie stuff, you know, they all kind of made me crazy. Um, it just didn't work for me. You know, it made me crazy. It made me isolate. You know, I'd be sitting in a room full of people, everyone would be laughing, having fun. And I would be just off in my own head thinking about stuff, um, you know. And then when I quit the drugs, because they were causing me problems, my drinking skyrocketed. You know, and that really kind of scared me. You know, when my drinking took off, that really scared me because I realized, you know, this is serious. Um, and also the alcohol started causing similar problems to what the drugs did. You know, and that's scary. It's like, wow, what is this? You know, who knew? Um, who knew? And I, and I couldn't control it. And I started drinking to blackout and I started... Uh, I had seizures a couple times and just, you know, just started exhibiting really bad behavior with alcohol. And it really scared me. You know, it kind of scared me. You know, they think they talk about that scared straight. You know, my behavior was scaring me. I was doing things I didn't want to do. You know, one of my old um, therapy friends, uh, Perry, you know, he said, you know, if you find yourself doing something you don't want to do, the key is to talk to someone about it. You got to talk to someone about it. You can't keep it in. You know, and that's what I tell, you know, my teenage daughters, you know, I tell them, hey, you know, if you find yourself doing something you didn't want to do, talk to someone else about it. Because when I keep it inside, when I'm all alone and I keep it inside, it's very dangerous. You know, it's dangerous. It's, uh, it's risky. I can't keep that burden. You know, I can't keep that burden. So I share it with someone else. Um, and that person can give me feedback, you know, uh, an alcoholic when they're still in their addiction, anyone still in their addiction is not always in their right mind. You know, when I'm in my addiction, I'm kind of out of my mind, you know, I'm just not really thinking straight. So I don't always know what's right or wrong. I don't always know what the right answer is. And that's, it's important to have someone you can talk to and get some feedback. You know, it's important to have someone you trust, um, you know, in the 12 steps, they often suggest getting a sponsor. Well, they always suggest getting a sponsor, you know, basically that means someone that you can tell everything to someone that you trust completely and you can share everything with. Um, and ideally you're supposed to call your sponsor before you pick up a drink or a drug. doesn't always happen. I'll tell you that, you know, um, my sponsor used to tell me, Hey, if you want to go drink, if you're going to go to the bar, I want you to call me and I'll go with you, <laughs> which is kind of a funny thought because first of all, he wouldn't have gone with me or drank, but uh, he's just trying to get me to call him, you know, cause no, no alcoholic who wants to go use is going to call their sponsor because they know what their sponsor would say. You know, when I'm about to act out in the moment, I am often too far gone to pick up the phone. You know, I need to pick up the phone way earlier. I need to pick up the phone way earlier in the in the um, in the way I'm feeling. You know, I, when I start to feel disconnected, when I start to feel distant, um, I need to pick up the phone then. 
and tell someone about it, you know, kind of surrender what I'm feeling, share those thoughts and get it out. You know, I can't keep it in. Uh, when I keep it in, there's a good chance it'll build and then I will relapse. That's just the way it is. You know, it's just the way it is. Uh, and every decision I make in life is either going towards a drink or away from a drink. It's that simple. Um, now, granted, I've been sober, like I said, 25 years, right? But I still can make decisions that will take me towards a drink. You know, if I chase my other addictions, um, you know, if I eat sugar, which often encourages me to binge, right? Like if I have, I say, well, I'm going to have just one bowl of ice cream. Next thing you know, I eat the whole carton of ice cream. Then I go search through the house and I eat all the candy bars and I eat other things. And then I go out and get more, you know, that's, that's addiction. That's addictive behavior. That's a binge. You know, I will eat everything I could find, you know, until I can't eat anymore. And then I'll just sit there and I'll feel like shit. Right. Um, and then God willing, I'll be able to sleep. But then the next day it's right back at it, you know, or else I try and stop. You know, and then I'm dealing with kind of white knuckling it, struggling. How do I stop? I don't feel good. I'm angry. You know, I'm ready to kill somebody. I'm ready to yell at somebody. Um, it's like this with all addictions. You know, if I give in to my addiction, there's that cycle, you know, of binging on it, uh, spree, you know, going on a spree, whether it's drinking, drugs, uh, pornography, anything. You know, I do it on a spree and then I just can't do it anymore. And then the next day I feel the guilt, shame, and remorse. And that leads me to feel so bad that I need to change the way I feel. And I'm going to want to act out again and do it again. And that's the cycle that we get in as addicts. And it's no way to live. It's, it's unsustainable. Um, and eventually it takes people down. You know, addiction kills people. You know, it is serious, right? Uh, it's, not, it's not a joke. It's very serious. Addiction will kill me. And it's not just drinking myself to death, you know, or overdosing. Um, people die. You know, they really do. I've seen it. I know about it. You know, it's uh, it's passed down through generations. Um, there's generational trauma. It's passed down from father to son to daughter to, you know, husbands, wives. They pass it down to their children. And now that I'm in recovery, um, I think it's my job to end that cycle for my family and then hopefully to help others. You know, I want to end the cycle. So I teach my kids about addiction. Um, I teach them about the struggles I've had. You know, I teach them what to look out for. And hopefully they can become aware of it and hopefully they don't become alcoholics. Hopefully they don't, you know, use uh, substances or things. Um, to get high, you know, I mean, I really hope so. Um, I'm actually reading a book right now that I'm enjoying. Uh, it's called for love and money by Deborah L. Kaplan, MBA. It's called for love and money, exploring sexual and financial betrayal in relationships. Mm -mm. But here's just a little something from the forward that I think might interest you. Check this out. I'm going to read from the forward of for love and money. In today's America, our individual and cultural focus on financial success 
and the outward trappings that money can bring has left a void of cultural understanding about what it takes to experience innate joy via community and genuine intimacy. Without using the standard labels and judgments often applied to those who succeed financially yet remain emotionally empty, for love and money looks closely at those who search for ever more stuff in a vain attempt to alleviate the pain of childhood trauma and poor parenting. Throughout the book, readers can see how the drive for financial success, power, control, and sexual conquest can lead some people to not only a figurative, but also a literal downfall. The harder they work and more they have, the less they feel alive, connected, and part of, and the worse their lives get. It is only through great effort and sacrifice that these individuals are able to overcome the adult difficulties they were programmed for in childhood. Men and women who are willing to do the work of healing are uniformly and deeply grateful for the journey once the road of recovery has been traveled. So, interesting here. I'm going to repeat this one section. Throughout the book, readers can see how the drive for financial success, power, control, and sexual conquest can lead some people to not only a figurative, but also a literal downfall. All right, and then I'm going to read a little bit more of the forward. It says, and for love and money, sorry, that's my dog scratching around on the couch. And for love and money, author Deborah Kaplan challenges all of us to look into the delicate interplay of early childhood experience and adult behavior and emotional dysfunction. This, book's help, this book helped explain both how and why a person might consistently, albeit unconsciously, value financial status, sexual prowess, and shiny objects over intimacy, and genuine emotional intimacy. More than a simplistic view of narcissism and self-assertion, her words offer a much-needed, compassionate, and perceptive look into the world of intelligent, well-educated and successful men and women who somehow make empty, seemingly meaningless choices when it comes to personal relationships, life priorities, and the way they define meaning and self-worth. Deborah's wealth of experience in both the financial and clinical worlds allows us a unique view into the issues faced by those who have so much externally, yet find themselves starved for meaning and connection. For Love and Money opens with an examination of how our childhoods affect our adulthoods, along with a brief and cogent review of attachment styles. Readers are offered meaningful insights into the ways that early life experiences affect adult bonding and relationship choices. The book also walks us through the ways in which unresolved childhood trauma, emotional, physical, and or sexual, and its resulting adult low self-esteem and shame can later manifest and maladaptive coping mechanisms. In an important nod to the challenge of living today, Deborah is succinctly focused here on the frequently empty, yet emotionally arousing, obsessive search for money, power, status, and sexual conquest. These understandings are the underpinning of all the files in the book, and they are cleverly couched in the language and content of the very clients she has been treating. So I'll stop there. But basically pointing out how people chase you know money status things they want all these things um but really they feel more empty than ever you know uh, i know a lot of people who are very rich and miserable 
it does not mean you're going to be happy, right? Having all these things doesn't mean you're going to be happy. Um, some people say, oh, everything's going to be fine once I get my money right. You know, once I, once I get that new house, once I find um, a new partner, a, a wife or a husband, you know, once I, once I do all these things, everything's going to be fine. It's not really true. You know, it's not about chasing things. It's about, it's about helping others. And for me, it's about being sober. You know, if I'm not sober, I am no good to anyone, nobody, right? Um, so I need to be very aware of that. You know, I, I need to stay sober. I need to be sober and I need to help others. You know, that's one of the reasons I'm starting a podcast. That's one of the reasons I'm starting these all addictions, um, 8 a.m. Eastern time open meetings is because I want to help others. You know, I want to use my experience, strength, and hope. I want to give people a forum for learning, a place to get support, a place to connect with others, you know, and help build that connection, a real connection. You know, too often in my addiction, it was a fake connection. I was chasing the high instead of building a relationship. You know, I always wanted something for nothing. I didn't want to do the work in the relationship. I just wanted to get high. And that's no way to live. You know, it's no way to live. Um, all right, we got a listener. That's great. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, again, this is my first space. So if you're a listener, um, bring your friends, you know, bring your friends, share the message. We are going to keep doing these at 8 a.m. Every day, we're going to be doing 8 a.m. all addictions meetings. And uh, why? You know, like I said, because we want to create a place for people. We want to create a safe place and a place where people can share. So if you do want to share, you can raise your hand. You can, you know, comment. Um, I'm going to read something. I'm going to read one of my favorite readings. Maybe. Yeah, we got someone there. All right. Well, thank you for being here, whoever that is. <laughs> um, if you are in recovery, I don't know, but this is an open all addictions meeting. And we are talking about addiction. Uh, my name is Derek, the recovering CEO. I have 25 years uh, sobriety from drugs and alcohol. I also suffer from multiple addictions. I recently started the Recovering CEO podcast. And there you go. Good. I will let you share because this is my first thing. So let's see. I can do that. I will invite you to speak. Hello. How are you, mate? You okay? Yeah. It's it? Mark. I am in, in re recovery. I've just seen a pop-up on the spaces. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Well, good, good, good morning, Mark. Yeah. So this is an all-addictions meeting. Yeah. My, the first one I've, I've ever hosted, uh, and you're my first guest. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I, so this is being recorded. Yeah. So, you know, we are res we're respecting anonymity, so first names. and But if you want to share, if you want to um, talk about, you know, get current or talk about what's going on in your life or share any experience, strength, and hope, you're welcome. Oh, cheers. Well, yeah, I'll go. I'll give it a shot. Um, so being using coke and drinking for on and off now for a few years and this well 
probably last March, maybe, made a determined effort to stay off it. So I'm 170 days for Coke and 75 days for alcohol. So just popped in to see if there was anything that I could gain from this and ended up sharing. (laughs) Congrats. Yeah. So things are going well. If anyone does get to hear this, I just want to say stick to what you're doing. Take it one day at a time. And believe me, the rewards from being sober do come. I'm starting to see them now. Mark, that's amazing. Um, you know, congrats. You know, I never I never did cocaine, but I know it's extremely addictive. Um, and, you know, I know it is. It changes the pathways in your brain. So stopping is not easy. Yeah. Um, and you said also alcohol as well? Yeah. But more, okay. the alcohol was more down to the co- co- cocaine use mm-hmm. to try and bring me down from that. So, although I'm following a program of a- AVRT, so that's okay. addictive voice recognition. Mm-hmm. And you're right, it does change the pathways in the brain and your addiction will speak to you. And when what I've noticed throughout is once it realizes that you, it's not, you're not listening to it and you're not taking in what it's saying, it'll start to generate feelings, feelings of hopelessness, feelings of ang- anxiety and making you feel that by using it, it'll get rid of them. I just want to say, believe me, it doesn't. It increases them tenfold. I, I can imagine. Was, was cocaine causing problems in your life? God, yeah. Yeah. Mental health, weird, wired, chaotic, problems in work, problems in relationships. Yeah. 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 I hear you, man. And you know what, you know what I realized, Mark, is when I, when I quit the drugs, cause the, I mean, I love the drugs, right? But when I quit them, my drinking took off. Yeah. It's, it scared me. Like I started drinking more. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, it just surprised me. So yeah. I don't know if you experienced that at all, but uh, yeah, I did, yeah. It became, well, my addiction wouldn't let me, wouldn't, it wouldn't sit well with my, my addiction, me saying I don't want to drink anymore. So it would try to lead me to drink to lessen my inhibitions to saying no to other things. Mm-hmm. And that's why it led me to the drink. But once I said that, that's it, I quit drinking again. I oh, sorry, I quit drinking and said that I'll never drink again. It's just become so much easier. Yeah. To give up yeah. the co- 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 cocaine. It's just become so much easier. Yeah. You know, they say you always go back to your drug of choice, you know. So I I tried to quit. Marijuana was my drug of choice because I yeah. just loved it. Like it made me feel very at peace. Um and I tried to quit that and keep drinking, but you know, as my as I learned you know, once you lower your inhibitions with drinking, if someone's passing a joint around or, you know, doing some other drugs, I'm going to be like, yeah, because I'm not thinking straight, you know, so yes. I need to be like sober, like clean, you know, clear, clear eyed, clear thinking in order to be, live a good life. Um, yeah. So my voice would say to me, yeah, just, just go to the pub, wait your mates, just, just have a drink. You, you, you don't have to use, just, just have a drink. But then once we were in there and I'd had a couple of drinks, it'd be like, oh, go on, you're in the pub now. You might as well. You might as well use. Do you know what I mean? Just played played them them games, and once I learned to recognise what it was doing, it becomes so much easier to shut it down. 
Yeah, hundred percent. Um, cool. So, uh, are you familiar with twelve step programs like uh, AA or NA or those types of things? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, hey man, I'm going to read. Uh, I'm going to read. L- let me know what you think about this. I'm going to read the uh, something I really like, and then I want to hear your comment on it. Um, it's the vision for you. It says, and this is from AA. Uh, the big book, page 164, it says, we realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Um, Have you heard that one before, Mark? Do you like that uh, part of the big book? So anyways, it is, it is such a treat. Uh, Mark was our first guest ever on this uh, All Addictions 8 a.m. Eastern Time open meeting. I know we have another listener out there. Feel free to jump in. Um, and Mark, if you want to share, you're welcome to jump in. But, you know, I, I suffer from all addictions. You know, I've been sober 25 years from drugs and alcohol. Uh, that's way in my rearview mirror. But what I learned is that other addictions were plaguing me. And even though, you know, at 15, 20, 25 years sober, I still felt like I was getting high. And anything that I do that I do in uh, the darkness, right? Anything that I do that is secretive, that I'm not proud enough to tell my wife about, that I wouldn't want my parents to see, things like that. Anything I do in the darkness is keeping me away from higher power. Um, It's important to live in the light. You know, I did an interview recently with the head of a treatment center and I asked him, I said, why do, why do people go back out? Why, why do people go back out and relapse? And he said, it's pride. He said, it's very difficult to live in the light. It's hard to do everything out, out in the open, you know, honestly. And there's Mark back. Did you want to make a comment, Mark? So he said, pride. Pride comes, you know, before the fall. And, um, you know, so I realized that if I don't help others get sober, I'm not going to be able to stay sober. If I don't, change my life and spend it helping others get sober, I'm not going to be sober and then I'm going to lose everything, you know? And I, I was able in my sobriety to, you know, I, I married, I have two dogs sitting here, you know, I have two wonderful children, you know, I have a decent life. And, um, but addiction would take all that away. You know, addiction would take all that away and it's not worth it. It is not worth it. And as Mark said, you know, stick to what you're doing. Stay the course. It gets better. You know, he, he's, he's coming up on a year in a few months. And I really appreciate him being on this, um, this Twitter space. And, you know, so my plan is to do this every morning at 8 a.m. to make this a regular 8 a.m. Eastern time, right? So that's like New York time. Uh, we are in Michigan right here, but. The good thing about Twitter spaces is you can access them from around the world. So I'm not quite sure where Mark was from, somewhere over in Europe. <laughs> so uh, people in Europe can certainly join 
people in South America, people in Asia, um, Canada. I'm hoping anyone suffering from addiction, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, sex addiction, food addiction, gambling addiction, video game addiction, spending addiction, you know, debtors anonymous. Um, I know about debtors anonymous. I have a huge spending problem. I'm in debt. You know, I spend, I'm not smart about it. You know, I'm just not smart with money. Uh, when I want something, I want it. And I will often buy it. I will often go get it. And it's very exciting. You know, uh, I spend a lot of my time, you know, if I'm focused and I'm dialed in to work and what I'm doing, uh, then I don't do this, right? So if I'm focused and enjoying my work and enjoying my life, then I don't do this. But when I'm not, when I feel like I don't want to do my work, when I'm avoiding my work, and I do avoid work sometimes, right? I, there's things I have to do. I don't want to do them. You know, I recoil from work like you recoil from a hot flame. And that's not good. And then sometimes I look for distractions. You know, so I'll start surfing around on the internet looking for uh, motorhomes to buy. Like a mobile home. Like I want to buy a motorhome. <laughs> a Class B, a Class C motorhome. These things cost like 100 grand or more. And it's, it's crazy thought. You know, I really don't need one. I really don't have an extra $100,000 laying around. But I look at it. You know, I will look at uh, Air Jordans. I will obsess on getting new Jordans. I will obsess on getting a new car. You know, I really like the Ford Flex. Um, my wife thinks it's super ugly, but I like it. And they stopped making them in 2019. So I have these alerts set up on different apps like Carvana and Carfax where they send me alerts on Ford Flexes when they come online and come for sale around me. And I'll stare at them and I'll look at the sticker and I'll read about them. And I'll look at the, uh, the features I want. And honestly, I found the perfect one numerous times. You know, I found the perfect one. Um, but then I realized we don't need that. I don't need to spend money on that. My wife doesn't like that car. We don't need that car. Uh, you know, I do it with bikes. I really like surly bikes. You know, I'll look at them. I'll look for the perfect bike. Um, do I really need to spend two grand on a bike? No. You know, I already have a good bike um, and I don't ride it that much. So, you know, I am always trying to change the way I feel. I'm always looking for the next thing. And as that passage from that book I, I read earlier, you know, saying, um, that's no way to do it. You know, uh, chasing things does not make you happy. Chasing things will not solve my problem. Acquiring things, you know, if I have a million dollars, if I have, house on the beach you know on lake michigan if i have a fancy car you know if i have all these things it doesn't matter you know it won't change the way i feel it won't make me feel better you know sure i'll get the rush from buying it right and then i'll have to do the work of paying it off um you know today i ask god for a simple life today i ask god to take care of me help me stay sober I'm very grateful to be sober. I thank God for my sobriety. And I ask that my thoughts and my actions be pure. Please protect me today. Please keep me safe. Please help me so that I don't do stupid things. Please help me to be kind to others. Please help me to be understanding. You know, and oftentimes, honestly, you hurt the ones that are closest to you. You know, so I say, oh, how can I be kind to others? What about my significant other? 
You know, what about my wife? What about my kids? How can I be a good father? How can I be kind to my wife? Um, you know, I love my wife. I love my wife more than anything. She still annoys me, right? I mean, when you live with someone and you have to interact with them, they're going to annoy you. Um, so, but how can I not be an asshole? How can I not yell? How can I not try and put her down? You know, how can I be kind and loving and accept her exactly as she is? You know, she does so much for me, and yet I still want more. You know, she is the perfect woman, and yet I want more. She's the perfect woman, and yet sometimes my addict brain will say, oh, the grass is greener. You know, I'm going to go chase something over there because it's a shiny object. But you know what? That's that's crazy. Crazy. And that's the kind of thinking that leads to a person's downfall. You know, it's just, it's I can't think that way. You know, and uh, and I can't. And that's why I need good friends. And that's why I need to work with a therapist and a sponsor. Um, you know, it takes a village. Sometimes it takes an army. Sobriety is no joke. Sobriety is no joke. If you're thinking about getting sober, I encourage you to ask for help. Jump on this Recovering CEO All Addictions 8 a.m. meeting. Jump on the call. Jump on the meeting. Listen to our podcast. Um, we're going to be publishing bi-weekly podcasts. I think you're going to enjoy it. I think you will. I think you're going to learn something. And uh, you can stay sober. The thing is, you can get sober. Anyone can get sober if you want to get sober. You know, I always say the best decision I ever made was getting sober. August 13th, 1996, I took my last drink to your creek, Indiana, at the fish show. August 13th, 1996, amazing fish show. And that's fish, P-H-I-S-H. Took my last drink. You know, it's already been 26 years when I did my last drugs, you know. Um, so it'll be 26 years in August for alcohol sobriety. And, you know, the rest of my addictions, I'm working on them. One day at a time. One day at a time. Eating healthy. Making good choices. Making loving choices that are good to me. How can I, how can I be good to Derek? I need to be good to myself today. I want you to be good to yourself. Be kind to yourself. Be gentle with yourself. Treat yourself well. Right. Do the things that you need to be happy and to stay sober. Don't do something you're going to regret. Don't do something that's going to get you high for a second, but then make you feel like shit. You know, don't behave in a way that's going to upset others. Be sober. Live sober. It's possible. People do it. You know, it reminds me of uh, that old show Kung Fu, right, with David Carradine. And he tried to, he knew that he achieved enlightenment when he could walk on the rice paper without leaving a mark, right? And the rice paper was very, very thin. You know, so you had to step very gently and softly. I want you to go through life like that. You know, be at peace. Walk with God. Walk with others. Don't be alone. The addiction wants us to be alone. My addiction wants to isolate and kill me. I don't want that. So in order to overcome addiction, in order to live okay, I need to connect with others. I need to connect with my wife, with my kids, with my family. I need to connect with others. And I need to share when I'm feeling like shit. And I need to say, you know, everyone, everyone comes up to you on the street and they say, oh, how are you doing? Oh, fine, fine, fine. 
that's all bullshit. Nobody's really doing fine, you know? And if they're honest, they'll say, well, shit, how am I doing? You got half an hour, you got an hour, sit down. I'll tell you, you know, life is difficult. Life is difficult. And the way our American society is built, it's designed to promote addiction. It's designed to make you self-medicate, you know, whether it's on opiates, um, whether it's on McDonald's, fast food, whether it's on spending, you know, jewelry, money, cars, I mean, you name it. Uh, Red Bull gives you wings, you know. We, we will get you high in any way possible. Um, I encourage you to go for natural highs. I encourage you to go for the natural endorphins, to live a good life, and to get the good feeling of helping others, you know, to get the good feeling of hard work, a day's hard work, to be able to stand on your own two feet, look someone in the eye, and say, this is me. I'm a sober individual. I feel okay with myself. I love myself. You know, I'm going to shoot straight with you. I'm going to, I'm going to be a straight shooter. I'm not going to lie. So, oh, Al, all right. I'm glad you're there. Um, awesome. So, hey, keep coming back. I'll be here every morning at eight. Share. Um, be a part of this. All Addictions, 8 a.m. Eastern Time Open Meeting. Thanks to everyone who is here. God bless you. You thought that you could have it all And life could be a ball But you fell and scabbed your knee Now you 